Yeah. Okay, good. Turn it up loud enough so they can hear out there, too. So praise God. So today we're going to talk about the the fact that your truth hangs between two thieves. Your truth, the truth that God gives you, hangs between two thieves. So you all know where we get that concept from, right? Jesus was crucified, and I'll read you the story. He was crucified between two thieves, and there's a reason for that. I, um, years for years, I would question God. God, what does that mean? What does that, you know, and you try to figure it out yourself, and it never comes. Well, 25 years later, 30 years later, he tells me. Never underestimate (laughs) that God heard you, and he's going to answer, but he answers in due season. Amen. And so and and with ministers, he gives it to us actually when we're able to receive it, but also when he wants the when he wants the message preached, you see. And so we have to uh, because we're always greedy for revelation and we want we want to preach everything the minute we hear it. You know what I'm saying? And so he has to put us on a schedule of restraint. Uh, as well and wisdom because you want to reveal things when God wants them revealed so in Luke chapter 23 there are actually two accounts of this uh, uh, story and in Luke chapter 23 little Howard you have your uh, yeah so you can keep up with where we're on off whatever uh, Luke chapter 23 uh, and show that to Pastor Shirley as well because she is curious to know if we were on It shows, it tells us this, chapter 23, we'll start in verse 33. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the the King James caused them malefactors. That prefix M-A-L and male means bad. Your Spanish, your French will tell you that. And uh, factors means doers. So the bad doers, the evil guys, the bad guys. Jesus was numbered, the Bible says, with the transgressors. So he was numbered in with sinners and people that do wrong. But we know he was perfect because of the results. We're saved. So that proves he was perfect. Amen. So what the enemy was doing to... uh, to tear down his ministry and his effectiveness actually exalted him. Remember that. Okay. Amen. Whatever comes against you to make you small in the world's eyes will exalt you in God's eyes. If you let God have it and do his will in the midst of that. So he was there with the, the, the bad guys, huh? the ne'er-do-wells, malefactors, miscreants, and such. <clears throat> and they crucified one on the right hand and one on the left. These things are significant. He could have been on the corner and them two on the, you understand, it could have been any arrangement. But everything that God does is for a purpose. And the Bible tells us what? Don't look to the right or the left, but keep your focus straight ahead. And so this gives us a clue to what's going on here. And so he says here, and what, <clears throat> Jesus, one on the right, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So as the burden of their sin came onto his soul, because they were mistreating him, he was wronged, man. 
Whenever you're wronged, you forgive instantly, whether the wrong stops or not. See, that's a key to staying close to God and getting your victory. And when you forgive instantly, that means you don't bring it up anymore. You don't try to think about it. You don't mention it to 15 people. You don't use it as an excuse to quit serving God. You just let it go and let God have it. And you don't look the back to see if they're having a bad time in their life because they did something to you. That's the other little sneaky devil that religious people, you know how we do. Somebody tells us something bad happened to them, we get a little inner smile. That's just wrong, y'all. Y'all know it's wrong. So you got to repent again and tell God, please, God, take that little, take that little thing off of me that delights in iniquity. We're supposed to delight when they get blessed. Which, you know, if they, if they're just goofy people, the blessings are going to be so few and far between. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you after a while, you don't even get any joy out of seeing bad stuff happen to them because that's all that they get. When you're against God and his people, that's all that's really ever going to come to you. So we can we can afford to rejoice when they get blessed or something good happens to them. He says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. People don't really realize the eternal effect of their sin. And they parted his clothing and cast lots for it. So they gambled a little bit and whoever won got his clothing. The people stood beholding and the rulers also with them deriding him saying he saved others. Let him save himself if he's Christ and the chosen of God. See, old physician, heal thyself. A minister's worst nightmare is to come to healing school limping. Because that's what goes through people's minds. You're so good. How come you can't help yourself? <laughs> you do everything right. How come, you how come your life ain't right? And so it says, the people stood beholding the rulers also with them, deriding him, saying he saved others. Let him save himself. If he, See, this is a temptation for Jesus. Because, you know, if it was me, I'd say, I am. And let me get down off of here. <laughs> Uh, soldiers also mocked him coming to him offering him vinegar and saying if if you're the king of the Jews save yourself and so this is something that the enemy does in the midst of your trying to receive the word and trying to hold on what God tells you to do he will come and tempt you to let go of what God has for you he's tempting Jesus here to let go of all of us being saved Because had he come down from that cross to save himself, the sacrifice would not have been made for our souls. The eternal plan of God would not have been realized. You got me? High price for not taking it to the next level or taking it all the way through. Take that promise all the way. Hold on to it all the way. Do everything God told you to do to affect your healing, affect your cure, affect whatever it is that you're desiring from God. You got to take it all the way. Because half, halfway won't do, man. It just won't do. And so <clears throat> one of the, uh, and, and it says here, and the soldiers mocked him, verse 36, saying, if you're the king, save. And verse 38, and this superscription or writing above his cross was written in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. 
So I think even if you were hanging on a cross next to him and you read any of them languages, you could figure out what was said. And it says, this is the king of the Jews. When the religious heard that, they went back to Pilate. They were convicted in their hearts because this was what they crucified him for. He claimed to be, but he's not. Pilate writes, he is. They go back to him and say, we didn't tell you to write that right. He said he was. He says, what I've written, I've written. So it is written, so let it be done. It's done. And so it was officially declared that they were crucifying the king of the Jews, their king, the one that God sent, their Messiah. They were, and everybody who saw that cross up there read that and knew that. So the truth will haunt you, folks. Don't ever play down your... your uh, you're witnessing the people sharing Christ with them. If they fight you, spit on you, don't like you, that word is sown already. It follows them just like he is your king. You are killing your king right now. And it says here, one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, if you're Christ, save yourself and us. <laughs> While you're at it, you can do anything. But the other one, there's two of them. We'll talk about what they represent. <clears throat> the other one answered him, rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God? So here, somebody's getting convicted. In fact, a lot of people standing watching were convicted. Remember the Roman centurion said this was the Son of God. They're watching that written over there and watching him. Which one gets the attention? The truth. Or truth does. And he says, don't you, he says, he says uh, the other was said, don't you fear God seeing you're in the same condemnation? You're in the same place he's in. He says, and we justly did are here. Because we're receiving the reward, do our deeds, but this man has done nothing uh, to be crucified for. So here he's convinced that Jesus is innocent. And he's convinced that they're crucifying and killing the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. So the more he watches, the more convinced he is to the degree that he's correcting this guy who's talking against the Lord, talking against the word. You've got two ideas in your brain. One will help you to hold on to the word, and the other one will want to see it dead and crucified. So your truth that God is trying to get to you is hanging between two thieves. One that can eventually be convinced you hope, and they'll let go of what he's trying to say against the word. And the other one is trying to condemn the word so that you'll never receive it. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So here this man's pleading his case before God. He repents, corrects that other guy. He even witnesses to his buddy that's being hanged with him. And so he says, Lord, all I'm asking is, he says, I'm convinced that you are the son of God. When you get to your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus said, this day you're going to be with me in paradise. So this man get, dies assured of his salvation. So <clears throat> the, there are thieves that come to steal the word of God through tactics and arguments. 
our flesh, which is slated for crucifixion. Your flesh has already been condemned to die. It was condemned to die before you became aware of it. All human flesh, every soul that sins shall die, the Bible says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So when God shares his word with us, he sows his word and tries to get it into our hearts. He is really trying to get us to make the decision to let the flesh die so that your spirit can live. Your flesh doesn't want you to get the word of God because he knows that when you start living for God, he can't take you and make you spend all your money the wrong way. He can't take you and get you to waste your life with somebody who doesn't mean you any good. He can't take you and get you to throw away everything good that God, because he knows that in the day that you accept what God has for you, then he, your flesh will lose its grip on your life and little by little it gets weaker and weaker in its grasp and it just has to go along for the ride as you go and serve God. And so your flesh, the Bible says, is the enemy of God. It cannot serve God. The only thing it can do is die to the purpose of God that he is bringing into your life as you embrace the word. See, as you embrace the word of God, your flesh has to do one of two things. It either has to fight you dearly for its life, like these two thieves are doing. They see Jesus and they can't stand the fact that he's there in the position that they're in. So they've got to convince him that he's just like them. So your flesh is trying to convince you that there's something wrong with that word of God that's coming into your life. It's got to convince you of that. That flesh, if you say, for instance, if you're uh, if you're wanting to to walk in divine health and you have to take medication because your symptoms are are overwhelming you and you make up your mind that you're going to feed on the word and get rid of the pills. When you start attempting to do that, it's amazing how many excuses your mind will come up for why pills are okay. Now, we're not judging the pill as right or wrong. We're not saying anything's wrong with that. But we're saying that you have a choice and you have a covenant with God that provides for you to walk in divine health. That means that health that springs forth from the word of God and you're not dependent upon natural things for your health. You're not dependent upon that. And so you make a decision that you're going to start feeding yourself the word of God. You know, hopefully God's helping you make this decision. And you decide, well, three days a week, I'm going to feed on a scripture and I'm going to hide it in my heart. And when this word comes up that says it's okay, I'm going to say, no, it's not okay because I'm feeding myself the word and I choose divine health. But it's amazing how many people will just start picking up the excuses. Well, there's nothing wrong with the pills. Well, there's, you know, defending the natural man instead of resisting the natural, choosing what's eternal. You're, you're cashing in something. Listen, before you were saved, you were okay. You got me? You were an okay person. But you weren't living for God and living at the maximum of what God put you here on this earth for. So it's not, you know, and this is the thing that, that messes people up when they talk about where the homosexuality is wrong. Yes, it's wrong. 
And yes, Sodom and Gomorrah was, if Sodom and Gomorrah would have been destroyed for lying, we could say there's no difference. But there must be a difference in God's eyes because he don't destroy stuff for nothing. Do you understand me? I'm going to tell you what the difference is. Suppose we let everybody be gay. Then God would be a liar when he says, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. So there must come a judgment against that because it's fighting against God's word. So anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and the word of God is a lie, and it must be brought down. It will be brought down. See, people say stuff like, is homosexuality God's, uh, I mean, is uh, AIDS God's judgment? No, because people are living with it. Judgment to follow. See, judgment is Sodom and Gomorrah. It, it exists no more. And we all know why it exists no more. Mankind would, would cease to exist. Are you kidding me? If people, in, in considering there is uh, medical help for people, you know, who, who want kids and, you know, want to marry somebody the same sex, that still is not going to take the place of the natural human family. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. When God puts a plan in motion, that plan remains in effect. It never goes away. And he's never going to be found to be a liar. He's never going to be found to be wrong. He's never going to be found to make exceptions to his law. His law stands forever. Because he's pure. There's nothing wrong with his word. His word's holy. If you follow it, you'll find that it's right. So what we're trying to do is get the homosexual to hear God's word and follow it. And he will find that God's word is right. Do you understand? In the beginning, he made them male and female. And he didn't make any mistakes when he made people. He made you. You're not a, a woman trapped in a man's body. And vice versa. That's something the devil told you. And so the Bible says that we're to cast down imaginations that exalt themselves between the knowledge of God. When the word is sown to you, there's a thief on either side of that word. That word's coming right into your ears. And in your brain, there's two thieves on each side to see if they can steal it from you. And they work overtime, stealing the word of God from us. When we hear the word, we have to do as the Lord did. Jesus decided to endure what he had to endure so that he could do the will of the Father. We as believers have to do that. We have to endure what we have to endure to do the will of the Father. So when we receive the word, it must be processed through our minds. It's got to confront the two thieves. You notice Jesus never said anything that's recorded to either one of them? Think about it. When that thought comes to your mind, when God tells you, you need to start tithing. Because I've got things I want you to do, and you're going to have to learn to be obedient to this so the devil doesn't come and steal from you. Huh? The first thief, thief that comes along says, you can't do that. Look at all you got to do. And look at this and look at this. It'll tell you can't do it as thief number one. Or there's an override thief. You don't have to do that. 
because you've been doing good. Look at you ain't been tithing it. Look, you still got this. You still got that. Okay. One will put you in extreme mercy where you can live good without doing the word. And the other one will put you in extreme weakness where you just you can't do that. I just I don't know how I'm going to live if I. Huh? The Bible says, take no thought. We take too many thoughts, too many places. We consider too many things. Only thing you have to do when God tells you to do so, God, please help me do it. Please help me do it. I don't see how I'm going to be able to do it. I've got all these bills I think of, but please help me do it. We've got so many testimonies of people who tithe. And we had, we were, we didn't have our business anymore. We were at the bottom of the barrel and we had this little bit of income coming in, but God said, do it anyway. And we did it. We took God at his word and that business took off. We got more than we ever had. It happened in a month. It happened. And nobody ever says they starved obeying God. Nobody ever said they starved obeying God. You understand me? And so what we're afraid of is something that's never going to come. But these two thieves tell us that stuff anyway. One day you're, you're, you can do this because you haven't been caught yet. Hmm? That's how disobedient people stay in church. It is. They just listen to one voice or one thief or the other. And they never stay focused. Go right straight up the middle and say, I'm not looking to the left or to the right. I'm going to stay focused on what God told me to do and look for him to help me to do it. That's what you need to look for. That's what Jesus looked for. He looked for the Father to help him to do what he had to do. But he stayed focused. He kept his eyes straight ahead. He didn't look to the left or to the right. He let them left and right people say what they wanted to say. He left them do and don't people say what they wanted to say. And he went straight up the middle and allowed the Father to help him to obey his will. This is what happens to us. Instead of letting God lead us to obey his will, we'll listen to either thief and then we'll try to find somebody to support what they tell us. That's what a lot of the channel surfing on Christian television is about. People looking for somebody to tell them what they already believe that's contrary to the word of God. This is why many people don't go to church. Because in church, you can't control the message. You can control it in front of your television. Because if you get sick of Joyce Meyer telling you you run your mouth too much and quit gossiping, you can shut her off. Huh? You want to see, you know, Joseph Prince because he dresses real young and everything. and tells you about grace, 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 grace. You understand? I mean, it's a good message, but come on, y'all. We got to do, we got to do what we got to do. To please God. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, number one, grace only works through faith. 
If you don't accept the word of God and you don't make up your mind to do the word of God, there's no faith involved and there's no grace to enable you. Grace enables you to do God's will. It doesn't get you off the hook because you think the will of God's too hard to do. Do you understand me? If this were an easy life, we'd all be sinners still. Because that was easy. All you had to do was keep your job, dodge the devil, and don't get too hooked on what it, it was you were taking that, you know, helped your life. Huh? But this is not an easy life because it's a life of learning, doing as you learn and learning as you do. It's a life that takes study, it takes prayer, it takes devotion, it takes worship. It takes a lot of things that we didn't have in the world. And so it's a new life for us. And so we have to follow the rules. We have to learn what it means to be kingdom people and to live in the a kingdom. You need to understand this, that thieves only rob treasure. They don't rob junk. Now, you might have some drug addicts that are going to ghetto house but if they go in there, they're looking for the, the TV, they're looking for the electronics, they're looking for the cell phones, they won't, they won't take the garbage, they don't want nothing in that refrigerator. You understand what I'm saying? They are looking for treasure. Thieves only rob treasure. So when God sends his word to you and begins to implant his word in your heart, you need to look at it as valuable and guard it as treasure. It's not just something to mess your life up. It's not just something to tell you what you can't do anymore. When you got saved, you should have relinquished yourself to the can't do life. Huh? Saints can't do everything sinners do. And real saints don't want to. If you're not a real saint, you can be one. Huh? Just start wanting to do the will of God. So when we receive the word, we said it has to be processed through our mind before it's received. <clears throat> you need to know that the enemy <clears throat> sows tares or false wheat in our lives. Immediately when the word is sown, so immediately when God gives you something to do or, or he begins to speak to you from his word, whether it's a prophecy, whether it's something you read in the word, it's all good. It's all directed at you. If it's something that's preached, God is attempting to sow the word into your heart. But before it can get in your heart, it gets to go through here. And this is where the thieves live. You got me? They're one on the left side, one on the right side, and you're trying to get the word to stay right up, go right up the middle between. Can we pass through this treachery called the, the land of the thieves and still come out with the word of God? So in Matthew, we'll turn over there. There's some interesting things in Matthew. I think in chapter 13. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 13. Start in verse 19, parable of the sower. It says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not. So before you can even get it in you and it makes sense to you. Uh, this is where the devil does his best work. 
when you are trying to decide to make sense of that word and understand if God is speaking it to you personally. That's what he's talking about. Say the word gets preached and you, you start listening to it and you say, well, I wonder how I can apply that in my life. And, you know, that was a good sermon. It was an interesting sermon. It encouraged me. It helped me. But how do I get it into my life? What does it mean for me personally? See, that's understanding. When you embrace that word and it means something personal to you, it starts to get incorporated in your thinking and your speaking. You add faith to it and you start to draw the results of it. What the enemy wants to do is immediately when it's heard, before you can even understand it real good, he comes to steal it out of your life. And he'll do it by saying, well, you can't do that. Look at where you are. And you, you know, you don't, you not, it's not for you. Now, see, you could do that in maybe a couple of years, but right now you can't really do that. You know, you got too much to do. You can't, you, you got too much on your plate. Well, you can't, you own that thing about, you know, winning souls. And if you pray for a soul every day, God can put you in the path to win a soul every day. You can't do that. Maybe one a year is where you're, where you need to start. Y'all understand me? And so the thief resides there to keep you weak. Because he knows if you would ever embrace that word and get strong, then he's on his way out of your life and out of the lives of everybody he knows you're in touch with. He knows the people that you speak to every day that he's holding on to by a slender thread. And he's trying to keep you from getting any kind of strength, any kind of wisdom, so that you won't get those people and pluck them out of his hand. So before the word is sown, the Bible says... The enemy comes to steal it. He'll steal it with distraction. He'll steal it with one of these two thieves. You're either too weak or you done done that already. And that don't apply to you. You understand? Oh, I'm way beyond that. I Look at all the people I, I, I talk to uh, other ways. I got other ways I obey that word. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart. It barely got in there and the devil stole it. And he says, this is he which receives seed by the wayside. We've got other types of soil that the word is planted in. This, The next one in stony places, you don't let it root in you and you do it for a little while and then you quit. Remember all the times you were going to tithe and you started out and then you got, your devil told you was weak. You couldn't do it. He started looking at you, looking at what was in your bank account and your, and you quit doing it. Started out doing it and quit. Why? Because you didn't let it get rooted in you. Man, when you start believing that word, you better put it up on your windows. You got to put it up. Now see, we do this for, with stuff we really want. But with stuff that disciplines us, we don't want to put that up. And that's the stuff you really need. Huh? It is. Because that will keep, that will cause the stuff that you really want to flow in. It's a discipline. You get yourself disciplined to doing the things God tells you to do. And see if the stuff you want that just don't come rolling into you. That's the kind of life he wants us to live. 
Christian life is about discipline, folks. It is a discipline. It's a lifestyle. It's something you build into your life for every day. It's not something you just do on Saturday and Sunday and half do that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not mentioning no names. You know who you are, as they say. Huh? But I have to watch myself, too. You know, that I, I stay keep myself in the word, you know, and not just Friday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday when I know I got it. You know what I'm saying. You, you got to do these things. So he says this one that didn't have root in himself. And when persecution, trouble, the thief comes. One of them two thieves start talking to you again. You can't do that. Look at all them bills you got to pay. You better take some of that tithe back because, see, and see, ain't nobody in the church tithing but you. See, he'll let you do that, too. You're the only one. You're the only one tithing. And you don't count the offering. You don't have nothing to do with that. How would you know? You see what I'm saying? Tell you that lie. You look at other people and you think, well, they got a new dress. They must not be tithing. I better quit. Well, maybe they're not going where God told you you're supposed to go. Maybe they don't have the aspiration for the level of blessing that you have. You give according to the aspiration of blessing you want to receive from God. So here's somebody she received the word among thorns. Thorns are, are ideas planted by the enemy. And there's always some. You got to know how to weed your garden. You know, I got to know how to purge your garden. You got to know how to stay away from the thorns and keep your focus straight ahead. Because he says the thorns, when it's sown among thorns, deceit comes and tricks you out of it. See? Deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in. You just get your focus off of the fact that I want to be a Christian that lives for God. I want the internal things. I want the, the uh, love and peace and, and, and joy and contentment that comes with the spiritual life. You start to get deceived by, well, I always wanted one of them. Huh? Or I, you know what? I saw this new so-and-so and such and such, and I got to have one of them. You know, got to have, always wants. Huh? Those are the things that those are the thorns. See, because they will keep you from pursuing and going ahead with what God has for you. And they are pricking you. Thorns are constantly pricking you as you go to do the will of God. And these thoughts will prick. You can't give that money like that to the church. You, you, uh, huh? You gotta have the, you gotta have, you gotta have some for you. Huh? So the sum for you stuff and deceitfulness, how do you think these churches, mega churches, have people that come in and talk them out of millions of dollars? It's the thorns, honey. They never pluck thorns because they, they the pastor lets people come in and talk to them about investing in this. Oh, and you're going to get so much money out of this. Well, if you want to be rich, you talk to your father about it because you're the heir of everything in this in, in this whole world. See, you don't need somebody to come and try to flip your congregation over to millionaires and be known as the millionaire church. Huh? You'll be the stupid heir church. 
because we know that the riches of this earth perish away. Why would you trade in wealth in God for something that's going to perish? Huh? You don't do foolish things like that. And so these are thorns, folks, that steal the word. They steal away what God has for us. So these thorns, but he said the one that receives on good ground, you hear the word, you seek, first of all, you seek understanding of that word. You don't go anywhere until you totally meditated that thing out and you know exactly what God means when he says it and what he's going to do for you as you obey that word. So then that word then gets larger and begins to be a consuming thing in your life. Instead of the two thieves on either side always poking at your tub, well, you can't do that. If you can do, save yourself, save yourself, save yourself. See, the thing, thieves are always about the self-life. They're about staying alive themselves in your life so they can wreck your life when they feel like it. Because then the thief becomes your Lord instead of Jesus being your Lord. And so the thief wants to stay in there and stay alive as alive as he can. So he stays alive by punching you all the time and poking you every time you want to do something right for God. Well, you can't do nothing for God now. Look at how you done messed up. Background check. Listen, let me tell you something. You don't have a background in God. You don't even have a two-minute-ago background in God. You don't have a yesterday in God. You don't have a, a past failure in God. You don't have any of that stuff in God. And see, the thief wants to keep you focusing on all that stuff so you don't focus on God and his word. If they can get, he's flagging you down. Hey, hey, listen to me. Let me tell you something. I know you went in there and got that word, but that word ain't what you think it is. It's going to take you years to get that. You say, yeah, that's good, devil. Watch me get it. I don't care how long it takes. Watch me get it. huh? Watch me get it and step on your head with it. In Matthew 27, 44, it talks about the thieves listening to the crowd, the taunting crowd. And they joined in with them. The thief comes from the world. Those ideas come from the world. Those are worldly ideas that tell you don't do it. You can't do it. Uh, it's wrong for you to do. Uh, you, you're not supposed to, to do those things. Huh? Tells you're not supposed to do anything that God wants you to do. Come here, Daniel. Well, Howard, come and catch your brother. The Lord wants you to know something about you, sweetheart. God has called you to be a man of substance, a man of power, a man of great wealth, great financial wealth. And he won't diminish it. It will never be diminished. Great financial wealth, and it will never be diminished. God God put you here so people can look up to you, honey. You got me? And God hasn't changed his mind about you. He's never going to change his mind about you. You understand me? That's still for you. And he's going to do it. Just watch. Just watch and see. People are going to come up to him and want his attention and say, Daniel, please tell me how you do. Please tell me how you do that. And you'll be the one to break that poverty off of people, too. 
See, you know, God has a purpose for everybody. Every gift he puts in the midst of us, there's a purpose for that. See? And the thief wants to steal the purpose. He'll steal it any kind of way he can. He'll try to discourage you. He'll try to delay it. Try to make it like it will never happen. You understand what I'm saying? It'll happen. See? God ordains things. They happen. So all we have to do is stay faithful to him and focus. Just stay right. Just stay right up the middle, Dan. You hear me? Don't look at one thing. Don't get distracted. Don't don't get, you know, anxious about things. Young people get anxious. They want to do things fast. They want to do. Nope. Just stay right up the middle. And, you know, if you stay up the middle, God will accelerate you so fast. You won't even know how fast you're going until somebody stops you and tell you how fast it was that you got this in your life. You hear me? But God is like that, folks. He ain't thinking about all this other nonsense the devil's talking about all the time. You know, if we could get our minds free and stay free in the word of God, boy, we could take over the world. So here we're talking about the word. Matthew 19. You see, no, Matthew 13, verse 19. Did we do that yet? Yeah. So, okay. Then over here in verse 24, he tells them another parable about the kingdom. He says, like a seed that's sown in, in good seed in a field, and while men slept, the enemy came. Everybody's got to take a nap. You understand me? It ain't wrong to sleep. You don't stay up all night long watching to see if the devil's taking the word out of your heart. Sometimes it might be necessary. But he says, while men slept. In other words, just going through a, your normal life routine, the enemy can come and sneak something in and sow it. And he said he sn- sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So then you wake up doubting God's word. You wake up wondering if what you heard God said for you was, was the right thing or not. You can, you can have all kinds of ideas that go contrary to what you originally thought God wanted for you. That's why it's good to write, write things down when you start praying for them and keep note of what you're believing God for. Because you can get distracted by anything. You can go to sleep and lose it. You can be doing your normal. You can be serving God and lose it. You got me? And so it's good to keep note of where you're going in God, what you desire from God, what he's promised you. Make sure that what you are asking, you're asking according to the word. So that when it comes, you match it up to the image in the word and you're satisfied with it. You got me? Other than that, you will not be satisfied with what you receive from God. I'll tell you the one thing that will discourage you more is coveting what other people have. That's so discouraging because you'll never get God's help to get it. If you try to, and sometimes people try to make it fit in their lives. I've seen so many young people who are sincere about serving God and they get a taste of what it's like to serve God, but they can't let it go of this, you know, thing from the world that, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better, it's like the booger you pick at church and you, you don't know where to put it. It's people like that. You got boogers in your life, sticky boogers in your life. And they'll hang on no matter what. They can be, you can't embarrass, no, you can't embarrass a sticky booger. Huh? Situations you think they get discouraged and quit, don't discourage them. 
they're like driven. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to you have to be careful about what you let cling to you on the way to obeying God. See, that word mean, we don't like people calling us mean, but you don't have to be mean sometimes in order to keep God's will in your life. You know that, don't you? Christians aren't the nice people. We've proven that already just by standing up for for the word. And look at how the world accuses us of being haters and all this. Why? Just because we stand for holiness and stand for God's word. And you don't even say it mean to nobody. You're trying to say it as kindly as you can. So just go and be mean, okay? Just let that handle hang there. You can pray about it. God will tell you if you're wrong or not. He don't convict you. Listen, this world is so full of hell. And and the the so-called nice people are the meanest people you ever want to run into. So the enemy sowed these tares. Tares are things that look like wheat. They look exactly like a kernel of wheat. And that's how they grow so big in a wheat field. So the, the, the owner of the field says, let them grow up together. And at harvest time, we pluck them out. See, There are ideas that grow up in you. And then God, you know they bug you. You know you don't like them. But God says that's a there's something that's in your life for your discernment. See, it's almost true, but it ain't true. See, like your thing with your health. There's nothing wrong with taking your pills until you know they can't do you any good. But what's really wrong about them is depending on them and rejecting God's word. As long as you're not dependent and you're not rejecting divine health and you don't have that tear that's in there will stay there and it's always bugging you. You know, you could always go to the doctor and nobody would know. You know, you can always take that water pill and nobody <laughs> I'll tell you about me, Miss Pastor Shirley squirreling away water pills. We split water pills. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, I'm on the word. I'm in the word. I'm doing the word. Uh, but I'm going to have to 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 linger with that, you know, because I let the the enemy get in there and feed them tears. He fed them because I turned sixty one day and I thought it was all over. You know, I didn't prepare. I never saw myself getting this far. You know, what I'm I didn't prepare for it. What kind of talk? And so I start checking stuff. <laughs> checking my, make sure I haven't a stroke. Yeah, you check it too much, you get some symptoms. Huh? This is true. <laughs> but you know what? The devil has tried to kill me so many times. It's almost a joke now. But I do have to take it seriously because I have to feed myself the word. I can't have myself going around here and y'all got to drag me in and one side can't move and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to have that, all right? So, so I got to... <laughs> I got to take it seriously enough so I'm not a, a burden, you know, and I can do my job for God. But uh, anyway, when those tears, it says, uh, these are the notes that I wrote to myself. While the men slept, the enemy sowed tears, worthless thoughts that must be watched so they don't outgrow the word. So these are worthless thoughts that are almost 
they have a grain of truth, they have a grain of, you know, that's not, it's not bothering you. You know, they're not just blatant demonic. They have some, some similarity to the truth, but you can't rely on them and rest on them because they're not the word of God. And so the enemy will color his truth to almost match the word of God. Tears are are thoughts that come to you in your own voice, your own mental voice. And so you have to watch yourself. You have to make sure they don't overgrow the word. They are slated for destruction at some point. So at some point, God will get you over on that. You understand me? He'll he'll get that that out of your life. You just stay with the word and say, and see, the tears are there to keep us leaning on God and his word. You understand myself? It's, It's something there to just, you know, it's not quite the way you want it to be. It's not really killing you. You know it don't line up with the word, but you know it's it's not worth you having a fit over wrecking your life. Just try, I got to get this out of here because it's not right. You know, it's not it's not one of so those things that that are hindrances in our thought life to a degree, but we don't let them take over. Those are the tears, and that's one type of a thief because at any point. Once you start to validate those and give them more attention, they have the potential to overgrow the word of God. They have the potential to overgrow the word of God. So you've got to feed and shore up the word of God in your mind so that you can stay free of the tares growing up to get bigger than the word of God. Things that we do, you know, we'll say things like, uh, you know, if, if God works something out for our good, you know, something that happened that wasn't, well, God blessed me with so-and-so. You understand what I'm saying? Like, for instance, if you have uh, uh, somebody breaks into your house and breaks all the locks on the doors and so forth and so on, your insurance company covers it. Well, God blessed me to have new locks. You know, no. Listen, if you want a blessing, he'll give you the money. You go out and buy new locks. See, before the thief came, you didn't need new locks, did you? So you have to be careful how you process these things. He worked it out for my good. And that's all you can say. It started out as a disaster, but he worked it out for my good. And give God glory for it in the way that the word says it it takes place in our lives and it occurs in our lives. So the word, the tares then, have the potential for overgrowth. But if you continue to feed that word of God, they will not overgrow the word of God. You know, preachers that, that, you know, used to like pornography and never really kill that devil. And God keeps that thing there. To keep you dependent upon him to stay in that word and stay going forth in the word. And then one day it doesn't even bug them anymore. And they wonder where it went to. Where it used to, used to stay up nights wondering if this thing is going to get me and I'm going to get exposed and I'm going to lose everything. And so we have to understand that as long as it's exposed to God and we keep it up. God, I don't like this. I wish you get it out of here. But it's here anyway and it keeps bugging me. But I'm going to live with it and I'm going to live with you. And at the appointed time, I know you'll kill this thing and burn it in the fire and it won't be a problem for me anymore. You understand me? Don't feel like less of a Christian because your thought life condemns you sometimes. (laughs) 
The two thieves represent two types of thought. We said that. Extremes, one way or the other. You're extremely good or extremely bad. And you'll find these two thieves were like that with Jesus. One wound up being extremely good because he repented and wound up in paradise. The other one went straight to hell. So the words, when the word enters our ears, we evaluate it as to whether or not we desire to do the word or reject it. Hearing the word and receiving is a commitment to do the word. Now I'll use the example of tithing again because I struggle with it. When I heard it because I wasn't doing it, I hated it. And I hated it a lot because people presented it in a way where it made you feel like God was going to kill you if you didn't give him your money. You know, and we try not to do that, except that sometimes if it's too lax and too soulish, we don't encourage people to live at a higher level if they will obey the word of God. And so that's really what it's about and being able to please God in a different level. Being able to be assured of certain things coming into your life to, to ensure that covenant with God. So when we, when the word enters our ears, we evaluate whether we desire to do the word or reject it. Receiving the word into your heart is a commitment to do the word. So receiving is a commitment to obeying. If we can't see ourselves obeying the word, we will not receive it. And this is where we, we short ourselves out. Because we don't look at end result, we look at process. What did the Bible say about Jesus? He endured the cross, despising the shame, because he there was a joy set before him. He looked at the end result and not the process. See, the process you think to giving more is not having certain things. God didn't show show that to you in his word. He didn't tell you you would lack anything if you gave to him. He, In fact, he told you he, you would have more. So what we need to do is focus on the end result and not the process when we talk about receiving the word. Well, God, this don't feel good right now, but I know after a while it's going to re- reveal the, the peaceable fruit of patience and godliness. It's going to be a good result in the end. I just got to take my bitter medicine right now and fight the two thieves that are trying to rob it from me because I want what God wants for me. The two thieves will evaluate the word. Hmm? They'll tell you, well, stuff like this, not now, it's not for me right now. You know, always wants to put off obeying God. Or I don't need it. Huh? The two thieves will always reject the word. They'll one will give you a soft sell around it, and the other one will just straight out tell you it ain't for you. They'll rebuke you and tell you, you can't have that. Many times when we give mental, mental assent to the word, we just agree with it in our heads, it's easily stolen. So you've got to do more than agree with it in your head. You've got to grab that thing and hide it in your heart. You do that through meditating. You don't just let that word, oh, yeah, I heard this before. Oh, yeah, she's going to preach on that scripture. We heard that before. You understand what I'm saying? Well, then you get up and preach it. And I'll sit down. <laughs> let me have a treat for a change, huh? <laughs> two thieves represent condemnation and judgment 
One represents condemnation. The other one represents judgment. In Matthew 27, turn over there, and this is the other account. How me doing over there, gang? Oh, well, well, I can conquer the world. And <laughs> Praise God. Matthew 27 and verse 44, it's the same account but different slant. It says, the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. In other words, they were spitting in his face, saying the words, you saved other people, save yourself, save yourself, save yourself. It's amazing how the word of God produces death to your flesh, which is a good thing. See, a lot of things we struggle with outside of the word of God. You know, you know it's wrong. Your flesh knows it's wrong. So your little guilty conscience tries to make you do the right thing. If you would embrace the word of God, right would just flow out of you. You would that would end the struggle. See, the struggle would be between you and that those pages that you're reading. And it will never be with you trying to make yourself do the right thing in the flesh. It's never what it's about. It's about you. The work that you do is the work of holding on to the word of God, fighting the good fight of faith, which is a spiritual fight. It's not a natural fight. It's not stay away from this. It's, it's not don't do It's not the old covenant law. It's fighting the fight to hang on to that word. It's hurting me now. I don't want to do it now. It looks like I'm going to have to do without some things in the natural now. But I know in the end it's going to yield peaceable fruit in my life. I can see the end result being good. And that's why I'm holding on to the word of God. I don't want to have to live just trying to discipline myself. And always try to do the right thing myself. It says in verse 44, they, they, they spit these words out at him. And he says, <clears throat> uh, let me see. Let me see. Okay, uh, let me go back to the other one. That one I just wanted to show you to show you that the thieves began to speak the same thing that the worldly people were saying against Jesus. So really, that thief that's in our minds comes from the world. It's not coming from God. God's not telling you you don't have to obey his word because it's too hard for you to do. He doesn't tell you stuff like that. Many times people will look at their disobedience as some kind of trophy if they're not careful. I've heard people say, well, I've been, I've been given like this all my life and I'm still got my job. I'm still, listen, you ain't, it ain't over for you yet. You understand what I'm saying? And I think God is trying to warn you because you're getting close to where them shenanigans you pulling ain't going to work for you no more. Whenever you start to take the word of God lightly like that or think God doesn't mean what he says or think he's soft on sin and disobedience, you're in for a fall, folks. Because you're really saying in your heart, there is no God. There is no penalty. There is no, I do what I want to do. God, he ain't caught me yet. He ain't going to catch me. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't live like that and call yourself a believer. You can't live like that and call yourself successful. <clears throat> so they joined in with the crowd. They're part of the world, not the kingdom. You need to understand those voices of judgment and condemnation. 
One thief told him, you're, you, you're no more good. You're just like us. Save yourself. If you can do something, if you're a real king, why don't you save yourself and us? Mocked him and made fun of him just like the world did. The other one, though, when he the, the condemnation will tell you that there's no hope for you and don't bother with the word. You're condemned already. That word ain't going to help you. Look at all you've done. You, well, you think you're going to try to pretend like to be a good Christian now? Look at what you've been doing. You understand? And so it'll take away to condemn you. And when condemnation hits, you don't try to do any better. That's why the Bible warns again. Condemnation is probably the worst thing in the world the believer can get himself into. You have to refuse it. You have to repent. You've got to confess and refuse to believe anything other than you, you are in righteousness with God. You've got to believe for righteousness. Because if you start seeing yourself as less than, your behavior will be less than. Your fruit will be less than. Your life will be less than. You've got to learn the first fight you've got to win is that of condemning yourself. For either real or perceived disobedience. It can be real or imaginary, your disobedience. But you've got to know that you have an advocate with the Father. See, what people don't teach you is that you can go to God and be assured that you're acquitted. You know it within yourself that you're not guilty anymore. But see, we run around with this false thing and we pretend like we're happy and we're free and we're all this stuff. What matters is what goes on between you and him, not what other people think about you, what they say, what you think they say about you. None of that's important. What's important is your reassurance from him that you're forgiven, you're cleansed, get up and work for me again. Get up and preach for me again. Get up and tell your kids they're wrong again. Get up and tell them, tell somebody they're right again. Get up and do the right thing because you are totally acquitted and don't let your mind make you stop in mid-sentence and tell you what you did wrong. You ever have to have that happen? You'll be telling somebody something right and your mind will say, well, how are you telling them that? You look at what... That's the thief, honey. He's going to come and condemn you if he can. Come right in the middle of your your wonderfulness and tell you ain't no good. <laughs> You'll notice Jesus never answered them. These two thoughts are the enemies of God. Jesus never answered them, but stayed focused on doing the will of the Father. When you stay focused on doing God's will, people around you who are watching will see what God wants them to see. You can't focus on impressing people with your Christianity. You can't focus on people telling you you, you can't tell them nothing because look at what you, you can't focus on any of that stuff. You got to stay focused on doing the Father's will, obeying the Word of God, being where God tells you you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there, doing what you're supposed to do. You know, God can get you to the right place at the right time and the devil will meet you on the other side of the door and give you something stupid to say. <laughs> he endured the pain, the shame, the condemnation, temptation to come down. Huh? You think that wasn't hard? 
He said, I could get 10 legions of angels to come and rescue me out of any trouble I get into down here. I don't have to do it. I choose to do it. See, if you approach the devil like that, devil, I don't have to do nothing, but I choose to do it. Once he knows it's your choice, he's dead meat. As long as he convinced you, convince you that you're you don't want to obey god and you're just doing it because somebody's making you do it you're you're good uh you're good ground for him to mess with you but the minute you make up your mind you're gonna do it regardless and you tell the devil so huh people say well they make you come to church no i don't make me do no i want to go to church on saturday you think i want to be out there with you looking stupid The taunts come to move us to the left or to the right, to convince us one way or the other, to embrace condemnation or to embrace judgment. The one thief made the right judgment because he got convinced. See, you can judge yourself right or wrong. You keep judging yourself wrong and see if you won't get curious one day as to what do I do to be right. Huh? You get sick of being wrong. As a Christian, you get tired of being, you know, uh, thinking of yourself as being less than what you see God says you are. You get sick of it. And see, just like you judged yourself wrong, you can judge yourself right. Huh? You can judge yourself righteous. Say, you know what, God? I've done everything you say in your word that I should do in order to be have imputed righteousness, and I receive your righteousness. Judgment says you don't need this. Huh? (laughs) Steal the word. Word will come to you and tell you you need to step up your game in God. This happens to Christians. This happens to Christians, I think, more than little dumb stuff because it's a little more sophisticated. I see many people... uh, pull back their obedience to God. They slack off their church attendance. They slack off because somehow the devil tells them that they're smarter than these people sitting here. Well, see, you got a better job than so-and-so who's sitting there getting the word. See, they like that kind of stuff. Because, you know, just because you have a good job, it doesn't mean you're good in every way that it needs to support that. Now, see, let me tell you something. The person with the good job and thinks they don't need God like you do because you're stupid and you don't have much money. Let me tell you where they mess up. They don't realize that you're sitting here receiving something that when you get your good job, you'll be able to hold on to it where they're missing health. They're missing understanding of managing. They're missing how to war against the devil so they can hold on to the. See, they're missing so many pieces to the puzzle. All they look at is the carnal, natural stuff, and they judge themselves superior because somehow they've been blessed to get it in their hands, but they don't know what to do with it when they get it, and they don't know how to keep it, and they don't know how to have health to keep it if something goes wrong. So really... You're building on a rock and they're building on sand, but they're looking at what it is in the natural. They don't look at under the foundation. See, you can have money or you don't have to have money because you're not going to worry about how to keep it. Because you're sitting on the rock. And you do what the rock says. The rock says, keep coming to church. I'll show you how to master this. 
And you're looking at winning souls to him and understanding that he's going to support you no matter what because you made the superior choice in the matter. See, whatever is eternal, you get involved in something eternal down here. I'm going to tell you something about yourself. You will be here a lot of years. You will be here in good health. You will be here in sound mind. You will be here in material blessings. You will be here and you will be here well. Keep yourself invested in what's maternal, material, I mean um, eternal. But you start getting involved in temporal things, you'll find that every time the, the, uh, the wind blows, your foundation shakes and you go to worrying. What's going to happen if? And see, you'll worry yourself into to bad mental health. Every time you look around, you're taking a mental day from work. You understand? Well, and you need it. I'm not talking about a, sh- a day just to go shopping, but you need a mental day. Condemnation tells you'll never measure up. Hmm? Judgment will tell you you're better than they are. And condemnation will whip you and tell you, well, don't even try. You won't measure up to these people. Hmm? So you slack back more and more. Your, your church attendance get less and less. You come in later and later. You invest less and less time into making sure your spirit can hold on to what God has for you. And so eventually you will lose focus, you lose interest. Takes years sometimes, but eventually you see people just just fade away. Used to come all the time, but now they faded away. Hmm? Be careful about judgment and condemnation, folks. They are not your friend. Judgment will have you measuring yourself against people. One day you're better than they are. The next day is don't even try. Huh? Don't even try to measure up. You got me? Pastor Shirley, they, who over Pastor Shirley's house? Well, you know, she likes someone so better than she likes you. Like that really matters. Huh? Right now I like Joshua Dillard the best. Because he's getting my deck, all that stuff on the deck done in his part time. So this week, I like him the best. Next week, you anybody in here can, can qualify for the best in my book. Because the next when he's wore out and he don't want to see me no more, uh, it'll be somebody else's turn. You got me? <laughs> but these two thieves desire to move you either to one side. They like it when you're on one side or the other. They don't like you focused to go up the middle to serve God. In Luke 23:33, Jesus did something very important. Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. That'll keep you in the middle. Mm-hmm. That'll keep you from wavering from side to side. Because the minute you let iniquity start to grow in your heart, the words of one or the other thief will sound more real to you. And you'll start to believe them more than you believe the word of God. So stay on the side of God and stay on the side of forgiveness. As you forgive, it gets easier to embrace the word of God. It gets easier The thief that went to paradise got there because of a couple things. Number one, he stayed focused on Jesus in a good way. 
He made up his mind. He had a repentant heart. He made up his mind. Hey, this man is hanging on this cross just like we are. And he says he's innocent. He says he's a king. He says he's got another kingdom. He says his kingdom is not of this world. Maybe I need to move. Maybe my problem has been I've been keeping the wrong company in the wrong town, doing the wrong things. Maybe I need to move. See, it's just as simple as that sometimes to save yourself and to embrace God's word. Just make a move. Sometimes you're, you're keeping the company with wrong thoughts, wrong people, wrong something. You just need to move. You need a change of venue so you can get before a different jury and get a new you understand us and get acquitted of your crime so that you can go on and serve God like you're supposed to. But see, this is what this thief was after. He made up his mind. He said, you know what? What this man is saying makes sense to me. Amen. When the word of God comes to you and you decide you want to embrace it, you make up your mind. It makes sense to you. Amen. You know, maybe maybe it is. It doesn't seem like it's the way what I should be doing. It never will if you're in carnality. If you're evaluating things with your carnal mind, obeying God don't seem like the thing that needs to be done at this point. When, you're, you, when your bank account is low, giving more, pull, shelling more out don't seem like the thing to do. But I tell you what, you go to Las Vegas and there's a bunch of people over there that can tell you otherwise and they ain't serving God. Huh? No play, no pay. You got to send money to get money. If you don't put it down, you won't bank it up. Huh? Absolutely. So if a gambler understands that, and there's truth to it. It ain't much, but there's some truth to it. There's some people that know how to gauge it and put it out there at the right time. My husband was one of them. He'd go there and he said, nah, I don't feel like playing now. I don't feel like playing now. And then what, 2 o'clock in the morning, well, I'm going down there. What time is it? Who cares? It's time to play. We had artwork. We had jewelry. He was smart enough that when he was ahead, we went and bought something and had it shipped home. He didn't let him take his money. You see, you understand what I'm saying? So you can invest. God, God's kingdom is what you invest in, folks. It's an investment. It's not just money thrown away. So, yeah, you have to sow in order to reap. You have to give in order to get. But God's word will protect you, and it's a sure thing. It will bring it back to you without fail. So when God gives you the word and you start hiding it in your heart, that word's not going to hurt you. You know, we look at the word, we say, oh, I can't do that. He ain't told you to do it yet. He just told you to believe it first. But you know what? We're smart enough to figure out if I believe it, I might wind up doing it. Then what I'm going to do? I'm going to be like them other Christians that... Regular tithers, the ones, you know, ones we used to hate. Well, you know, we're supposed to hate them because the preacher made you wave your envelope if you were a tither. If you weren't a tither, you couldn't wave nothing. And you could get up and run around the church and show them the nice dress your tithe bought you and try to make everybody jealous to get up and do the same thing. See? So you may have to look like them people you've been criticizing all your life. You may have to look like them people you hate. You might have to look at them deadbeat, look like them dead. 
it's kind of funny. It's somebody I I shouldn't tell y'all this, but they left the church, and I told them for years to wear a long dress. Not even wearing long dresses in their new church. All oh, right, right. This is true. See, one day you will do that thing that you were so resented doing it because it was the right thing to do. Even if you do it in a new environment, I don't care where they wear they long dresses. You understand what I'm saying? As long as they're doing as unto the Lord, that's fine with me. But see, you might have to look like some of them people you've been despising all thought you were better than they was. Huh? Thought you was all hot and everything. You understand? I can do that too. You understand? <laughs> well, sure. Any any idiot can do that. I see grandmothers out there with, you know, oh, they don't wear the mom jeans. Well, who's wearing? Ain't nobody wearing mom. Mom ain't even wearing them no more. You understand me? But one day you might have to embrace that which you despise because you see that it's the will of God. It's the right thing to do. It's going to get you where you want to get spiritually. And you'll quit listening to the thief on either side of you and pick up your cross and follow the Lord like he told you to do. It might take you 15 years. It might take you 20 years. But at some point, that word's going to sink in. Thank God that thief let it sink in when it was sinking in. Because he barely made it out of here. You understand what I'm saying? He might have made it out, of, but he got stayed on this side. You got me? He made it out on the right side. There's many people that live for the devil all their life and then suddenly start listening to the people. Prisons are places where you get a lot of souls at the 11th hour. Hospitals too. Nursing homes and hospice. That's why they don't want uh, uh, spirit-filled people to come visit people in, in hospice and hospitals. They like the Presbyterian and, you know, I mean, non-spirit-filled camp don't believe in the believer's ministry. They like that kind of stuff because it don't ruffle no feathers. It, you know, they just, oh, they went out so peacefully. If you can go and get them up out that bed, though, they, they'll kill you. Huh? If they can go out and, and pack their own bags and get themselves up out the bed and walk out of hospice, you made an enemy. You understand what I'm saying? But they like that other kind of stuff because it goes along with the flow. But see, there will come a day, folks, when we all will have to be that person we have despised because our carnality has judged them as wrong. But I'm telling you, you get over into paradise if you start believing God. You keep fighting these ideas that are telling you, you ain't no good. You might as well quit. You done blew it for the last time. Honey, if God is still alive, I've never blown it. Huh? Because my blowing it didn't stop him from dying for me. My blowing it didn't stop him from getting up from the grave. My blowing it didn't stop him from saving me either and from helping me to live in this life. So I can't blow it too big for him. Cannot do it. But don't be so don't be so full of pride that you can't humble yourself and backtrack a little bit and go back and say, you know what? I've overlooked the best thing that God ever wanted to bring into my life because of foolishness. Don't let the two thieves rob you of what God has for you. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. 
Thank you for blessing us to hear your holy word. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and pray. Ms. Juana, you can pray for people now. Praise God.